When you come to church, it's not just about what the preacher has to say, but we're all called to edify each other. So would you do this? Get your copy of God's Word, and would you stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word? And we're going to look, we're going to go over to Amos. I want to read today's text for you. Amos chapter 1. Amos chapter 1. And we're talking today about God's judgment on the nation surrounding Surrounding them. Uh, hey, in the sound booth, I did something a while ago. Um, I sent y'all a email about a picture I'd like you to throw up. You don't have to throw it up right. You just throw it up when you get it, but you don't have to have it, you know, while we're reading here, but you can throw it up as soon as you get it. Okay, let's read the text of what happens. Remember, we, we'd started Amos last week, and now we're going to continue. We're in Amos chapter one. And I want you to start in verse three. The Lord is pronouncing judgment on six different nations surrounding Israel and Judah. Pagan nations, Gentile nations that did not know the Lord. And so we look here in verse 3. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. So I will send a fire upon the house of Haziel, and it shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. I will break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon and him who holds the scepter from Beth-Eden. And the people of Syria shall go into exile in Ker, says the Lord. That's judgment number one on Damascus. Number two on another country. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them into Edom. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, and it shall devour her strongholds. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod. And him who holds the scepter from Ascalon, I will turn my hand against Akron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish. Thus says the Lord God. That's the second judgment on, this, on these nations surrounding Israel. Number nine, uh, verse nine. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Tyre and for four I will not revoke the punishment because they delivered up a whole people to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre and it shall devour her strongholds. Fourth judgment. Number verse 11, that says the Lord for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity and his anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. I will send a fire upon Taman and it shall devour the strongholds of Basra. Verse 13, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open the pregnant women in Gilead and they that they might enlarge their border. So I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah and it shall devour her strongholds with shouting on the day of battle with the tempest in the day of the whirlwind and the king shall go into exile. He and the princes together, says the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 1, thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send a fire upon Moab. It shall devour the strongholds of Keroth. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting, and the sound of the trumpet. I will cut off the ruler from its midst, and I will kill all its princes with him, says the Lord. Let's go to him. This is not an easy text to preach. It has geography. It has names and words that when we read it, 
it just kind of flies above our head at times. But this word is given to us to know and to use, to know how to, to serve you rightly and to fight against our own sins. So let it be opened. Every judgment ends with thus says the Lord. Begins with thus says the Lord. So let us submit to what thus says the Lord. As you've said, what would happen to these pagan nations surrounding Israel, everything you've said about life in your word is something that we should heed. So help us. We'll love you and we'll trust you during this time. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, if you're a guest here, we're studying through the minor prophets. We're now in Amos. We did Amos chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 2, did kind of an introduction last week. If, if that picture happened to come up that I emailed, throw that picture up. You can just leave it up there. This is going to kind of give you an idea as I go through here and talk about some of these different kingdoms. This is a map that will kind of help you know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Six different kingdoms that we're going to talk about today. And these kingdoms are surrounding Israel. You see in the blue, that's the northern kingdom Israel. Everybody see the yellow? That's the southern kingdom of Judah. That used to be one kingdom split after Solomon. Now two different kingdoms. The book of Amos is really... Is, is someone is, Amos is from this southern kingdom of Judah and he's gone up into this northern kingdom in the blue and he's preaching to them God's word. Now the interesting thing I told you last week is Amos is about, he's going to this northern, the northern kingdom of Israel and preaching to them about God's judgment on them for their rebellion and sin. But before God does that, he really speaks to them and through them to these pagan nations around them. And one of the points we made last week was the reason God's doing that is because actually it was their responsibility to evangelize these pagan nations around them. They didn't do a very good job. They weren't living. The Ten Commandments that we just did a while ago, they weren't obeying those Ten Commandments. That's what they were doing. God gave those commandments to show His character and to show to show other other pagan nations what a holy God is like. So in our text today, you're going to see a couple things. Does everybody see to the left of the kingdom of Judah, the Philistine states? That's one that we're going to read about today. Look to the bottom of that, the kingdom of Edom. That's one we're going to talk about today. To the right of the kingdom of Judah, we see the kingdom of Moab. We're going to talk about that today. Look to the right of of the blue kingdom of Israel. You see the kingdom of Ammon. That's the Ammonites. If you look also now at the kingdom of Israel in the blue, then look to the northeast. You see the kingdom of Aram or Damascus. And then to the north of this blue, you see the Phoenician states. And that's one other place that's going, we're going to talk about God's judgment. So those six territories are what's in the text today. And what's interesting, God is bringing judgment to his people, but God is pronouncing that judgment from where his people are. Letting them know once again, it's our responsibility to spread the word of God to the nations, right? And Israel wasn't doing their job. But let's look at it because nonetheless, because here's the deal. If we don't spread the gospel to the nations, that doesn't stop a holy God from doing what a holy God does, right? So a holy God still is judging these people, even though Israel didn't do their job at this point. But nonetheless, we see what happens. This is disastrous. These six nations and the things we're going to read about them, church body... It's disastrous, and my prayer is that this cannot be said about other nations outside of us. Not even our nation, but other nations. But yet, we'll look at it. Look in verse 3. 
Verse 3, we look at the first one. He's bringing judgment against Damascus. Against Damascus in verse 3. Now, if you look over here, um, I don't think you can see it. Do you see at the very top where it says kingdom of Aram and Damascus? Do you see at the very top? It's kind of cut off a little bit. That's the capital of the kingdom of Aram. Now, the interesting thing in this text is he starts off talking about this kingdom of Aram, but he's not, he doesn't say Aram in the text. He says what? Damascus, the capital of Aram. Now, why would he do that? Well, different reasons, but I think one reason that you see is whatever happens in the city, whatever happens in the capital makes itself out to the rest of the nation. And so God's judgment doesn't just fall on a nation, but God's judgment starts even with the city, even at the smallest point. Even small sin results in bigger sin. So we see God throwing and giving this judgment. And you'll see this as we go through the text that it seems like the first couple of territories, he's naming out cities and capitals. And then by the time he gets to the end, he's just naming the whole country itself. That's how God's judgment works. It starts small and and then it gets big. It starts from the small areas to the bigger areas. We see that in the text. So look at what he says in verse three. Thus says the Lord. Every time he gives a judgment, and then after the judgment, it says, thus says the Lord. I cannot get enough to my soul telling myself, whatever God's word has said, it's true. I know that may seem trite, but I cannot tell you how much in our culture right now we're living off feeling only. Living off feeling only. Like, I, I don't feel like that's true. I know what this truth is, but I just don't feel it. Listen, If God's word says this is it, if God's word says do it, if God's word says this is the way, doesn't matter how we feel. Listen, friend, doesn't matter how we feel. So thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. He says that same kind of idea for three transgressions and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. What could God's word be telling us in that? Here's here. It's very difficult to understand, but he's basically saying You've got three, you've got three types of sins you've been doing. It is filling the cup of my wrath. But this fourth that you've done, it is overflowing my wrath. And my, and, and it's not going to stop. Now the interesting thing, when you look at each one of these territories, they have a multitude of sins because every single one in the text, like verse three, for three transgressions of Damascus, it says later on that three transgressions of Moab, three transgressions of the Ammonites. And for four, I will not revoke the punishment. So the Lord's basically saying in that text, you've got a lot on your plate. You've got three, you've got four, you've got a multitude. But your, 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 your sin is overwhelming and I can, I'm not going to stop my judgment on you. My, I must be true to my holy character. But yet the interesting thing is, in each of these territory countries, God's only naming out one of their sins, the most prominent one. Which is just interesting to me, that like, just one sin is enough to condemn you. Like, just enough. Like, if you're here and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior and you're thinking, man, I'm not that bad of a person. Just one sin is enough. Just one. And just so you know, we're not, we're actually really, really bad sinners. I mean, let's say that you only sinned three times a day. That means the worst you ever did was have three bad thoughts in one day, which if you could call a person a good sinner, I would call that a good sinner, right? I know that, that, that seems like it doesn't make sense, but you could call a person a good sinner. Well, I'm 40 years old. Another month or so, I'll turn 41, right? That means if you multiply that out, how many sins is that? Three sins a day, 365 
days a year. Let's just kind of round things out and call that a thousand sins a year, right? Three sins a day, 365 days. It's not exact math. Let's just say a thousand. That means I'm at least 40,000 sins on my record. 40,000. And that's probably a really low ball number, right? I know what you may think. Well, when you were six, you probably didn't sin like you did when you were 12. Well, guess what? I'm sure I caught up when I was 12, right? (laughs) I'm sure I made up. Don't say this. We're not righteous at all. So we've, the cup of God's wrath on us is overflowing just like it would for Damascus. But yet here the Lord says, I got one sin that I want to, I'm going to judge you on. Here's what happens in the text. Look at it. He says, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke punishment because they have threshed Gilead. Does it show Gilead on there? Okay, it, it, it probably doesn't. Um, but you see the eastern half of the blue, the kingdom of Israel. Do you see the eastern half where it says Jerash? Right? Do you see that? You see kind of the river that's, that's right there to the left of Jerash? That kind of little segment of land is what you would call Gilead, right? It was a part of the, it was a part of the, the kingdom of Israel. So that's Gilead. So here's what happened. Damascus would come over into this Gilead kind of section and what they would do actually is they would pulverize the people. They would pulverize them. And it was wicked. It was war crimes. They would, it was a aggressive type of war crime that they would do. When they would come in and when they would fight against them, they would take the, they would take the people and, 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 murder them ruthlessly, mow them down. And the, the what they say in the text is, I'll, I'll kind of try to paint this out to you. You have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. I should have put a picture up here for you, but think of a sleigh. Basically what they would do is they would get a hard ground, right? And then they would put wheat on that ground. They would get this threshing sledge. It kind of looked like a sleigh that had all sorts of sharp instruments on the bottom of it. And then they would run that 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 kind of sled all along on that wheat, cutting off the stalk and the wheat from uh, from the rest of the stalk and separating those out. It basically shreds thing. What he's saying is this. You committed war crimes that when you came in and you fought against us, you just pulverized innocent people. And instead of being benevolent towards them, you mowed them down. You shredded them like you would when you're trying to thresh out wheat. It's a war crime. And the Lord says, because you've done this kind of thing, because you've treated my people this way, there's judgment coming for you. Verse four, look at it. So I will send a fire upon the house of Haziel. He's the, he, he, his, he's the kingdom of, of Aram. Of Damascus here. His kingdom is now going to be gone. It shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. That's, that, that was his son. It's going to be gone now. Actually what happens is the Assyrians come in and take over this country as a part of God's judgment on them. I will break the gate bar of Damascus. That's their capital city. I will cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon. The valley of Avon is considered like the valley of wickedness. It was a place where they did a lot of wrong. Next, he says, and him who holds the scepter in Beth Eden. It's the valley of Eden, the valley of pleasure. So he's basically saying where you've sinned and where you've enjoyed life, that's all gone now because of your sin. Because of these war crimes you've committed against the people of Israel and Gilead, because you have been slaughtering them mercilessly, committing this war crime, I'm going to judge you. And the people of Syria. Now, um, this Aram, Damascus area, this is where modern day Syria would be. It's also sometimes called Syria in the scriptures. He says, and the people of Syria shall go into exile in Kerr. Thus says the Lord. You can't see it up here, but if you were to go to north, east of the kingdom of Aram, there would now be where Assyria is. And basically he's saying is, 
you came out of captivity in in that Mesopot- in that Mesopotamian area of Assyria, and now Assyria one day is going to come and get you and bring you back. Like this is my judgment on you that's coming. So first he judges this pagan nation around Israel, and when I read it, here's what I understand: no one gets away with sin. Like no one gets away with sin. Even one sin's enough to condemn a person. Even one. So even if you were to, we were to sit here today and go, I'm a good person. Man, it's really hard to stack that up because even one sin. So now we go to the next one, a judgment against Gaza. He says over in verse six, aren't you glad you came to church this morning for this? Like, man, judgment. But we, we'll have some good news about this here in a minute. Thus says the Lord. I love that he keeps saying, thus says the Lord, guys. I can't come off that. What a good thing for my soul. For three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke punishment. Once again, he's just saying, my cup's overflowing. If three sins wasn't enough, the fourth has just been overflowing. Like, my wrath is coming on you. But once again, he judges them for one particular sin. Because they carried into exile a whole people and delivered them up to Edom. So if you look at Gaza, does everybody see to the, you, you see the northern kingdom of Israel? Look to the southwest of it. Does everybody see that? It says the Philistine states. You see some major cities, add five major cities. One of the major ones was Gaza. Does everybody see Gaza there, right? You see that? So he's pronouncing this judgment on this city state, Gaza, but it goes for the whole Philistine kind of area. So when you look at the text, he says, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke punishment because they carried into exile a whole people and delivered them up to Edom. If you look on this map, Edom, do you see Edom over here right south of the kingdom of Judah? Uh, Edom's, Edom's, this uh, traces its lineage to Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau, right? And so Edom is actually supposed to be kind of like the brother, the kindred of Israel, but they were actually their enemies. They never got over the whole Jacob and Esau incident. They were kind of bitter towards them. So the Philistines come in and they take whole people. They slave traffic. They do trafficking of God's people and sell those people over to Edom for a profit. Look at the text, verse 7. You, you carried into exile a whole people and delivered them up to Edom. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza. It shall devour her strongholds. Judgment's coming for them. I will cut off the inhabitants of Ashdod. Ashdod is up there. You see that at the top? That's another one of their major cities. And him who holds the scepter in Ashkelon. You see, Ashkelon is going to have judgment as well. They're all participating in this. I will turn my hand against Akron. Akron's not up there, but it's another major city-state over there in that area. And the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Now, it's interesting. The Philistines are gone. They perished. It's like, really, actually, we don't have a lot of, of information about their whole kind of civilization. A lot of it we derive from biblical accounts and from what other countries uh, know about them, but not from them directly many times. But what you can see is this. God's judgment falls on them. And, and by the way, their judgment was they were slave trafficking, right? They were slave trafficking, which, just so you know, like, like even today, trafficking of people happens a lot, Right? And, and, and just this one participation is incurring the wrath of God. Like, so let me just lay this out there. For men and for women, you know that when you actually participate in pornography, you are trafficking people. Do you know like that, like most of these people that are put in pornographic videos, that they're people who are being trafficked? Okay. So like even, so like you may say like, man, I'm a righteous person. I'm a righteous person. Have you ever looked at pornography? Yeah, you're. 
You're Gaza here. You're Gaza. You're, you're trafficking. It's slave trafficking. So this is judgment that's coming on them. And, and, and listen, only one thing he's judging them for. It seems to be what they're most prominently in their life. Number nine, verse nine, he says this. Thus says the Lord. Once again, when the Lord says it, it's true. You can't hold back what he's going to do. For three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke punishment. So the Lord says, I'm not going to stop it. By the way, Tyre, does everybody see this Phoenician state? Does everybody see, look where the kingdom of Israel is in the blue and then go north kind of west. Does everybody see that? The Phoenician states. It says Tyre at the top. Tyre was, it was another city state. And Tyre was considered a very hard place to overcome. It had some natural strongholds. In fact, when the Assyrians conquered the Phoenician state, they couldn't actually come across Tyre. They couldn't completely conquer Tyre just as its small little city state there. Actually, it wasn't later till Alexander the Great that they got completely, uh, completely overthrown, although their territory of the Phoenician states were overthrown with the Assyrians. But nonetheless, this, this territory like in its its city state Tyre had committed some atrocious crimes. Look at look at it says it says and because you've delivered up a whole people to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre and it shall devour her strongholds. So here's what basically happened. Remember Edom is kind of Israel's it's their kin but there's a lot of it, you ever seen bitterness between relatives before? Anybody ever seen that? Like, that stuff goes deep, doesn't it? I mean, like, you can be bitter towards a friend or neighbor, but I'm telling you, that stuff that happens between family, boy, can go deep and cut deep. So everybody knew this. The Philistine states and the Phoenician states knew this. If we can, if we can sell people off to eat them, boy, that's really going to get a burr under their saddle. So what happened is during Solomon's time when Solomon was trying to build the temple, where did he get his timber from? He got his timber from Tyre, the Phoenician state. And as a result of that, they kind of made a peace treaty. Solomon started to send food resources over into the Phoenician states, over into the city state of Tyre. It was good for them. And then he got timber from them to make and do the temple. And there was kind of this peace treaty that happened as a result of this. But now Solomon's gone. The kingdom is split. It's not doing right. And now Tyree decides and says, listen, the brotherhood peace treaty that we had together, we're not going to honor that anymore. And then they start to sell people. They start to break treaty with Israel. They, they now, and they start to sell people. They start to take people into a violation of the treaty and deliver whole people groups over to Edom. Okay. And what do we have here? We have people going back on their word. There was a peace treaty and they go back on their word. So we already have here in our text, we have, we have people going back on their word. We have people trafficking. And then we have, then we have people doing war crimes. And lest we think we're all completely righteous, I think we can make a case that some of this probably exists in, even in our own lives. And some of this exists even in our own nation. And thus says the Lord. He's holy and he'll judge it. Verse 11. Thus says the Lord. For three transgressions of Edom. Oh, now we're going to get to Edom. You see Edom right here at the bottom, right? Right underneath kingdom of Judah. Y'all okay? Y'all still with me? It's good stuff, right? Okay. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Our life would be so much better if we could just live by that idea. Thus says the Lord. And thus says the Lord. I don't feel like I don't feel like obeying you here, Lord. Thus says the Lord. 
I do not want to fight against this sin, thus says the Lord. I do not want to discipline my kids. I just want it to be convenient. Can I just give something to distract them? Thus says the Lord. You're right. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Once again, it's overflowing. Like, it's so bad. My cup's overflowing of my wrath. But he's going to just name one thing that they've really done wrong. Because he pursued his brother with the sword, his brother would be Jacob. His brother would be Israel. Edom was always, if if you were here when we did Obadiah, Edom was always coming against Israel, right? And there was this, 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 Kindred, because Esau was their forefather. And so this kind of bitterness that Esau had against Jacob, it never finally got completely reconciled, although it looked like some of it might have happened. It didn't completely get reconciled. It passed itself on to generations. And Edom is still bitter about what happened with Jacob getting the birthright instead of Esau. So that hatred, that hatred kept festering and stewing. Instead of Edom getting better, they got bitter. Now look at him. He pursued his brother with the sword. He cast off all pity. He was so angry he had no pity for that person. Didn't care how what he did hurt or affected them. His anger tore perpetually. He kept his wrath forever. Sinful anger. That's what he walks in now. Sinful anger that Edom is walking towards Israel and and perpetually attacking them and going on forever. So I will send a fire upon Taman. That's that's one of its that's one of its most powerful cities. And shall devour the strongholds of Basra. Taman was in the south and Basra was in the north. Basically from north to south. I'm going to judge you. Thus says. Thus says the Lord. One thing I want to point out to you is this. In all my time of being in pastoral ministry. And even fighting my own soul. And my own sin. Is sinful anger. Man. I think sometimes we give into it. And just dismiss it as a respectable sin. So. You know, the scriptures say in Ephesians 4, 31, that we should put away wrath and anger and clamor, which is when you start yelling and slander is when you start accusing their character and malice and bitterness. Bitterness is when you can't stand the person anymore. Like you just stew and stew and stew about what they've done to you and you rethink it and you rethink and you rethink. And now before and, and, and like that's what bitterness is. You don't even like them. You don't even want to be around them. You try to avoid them. That was how Edom treated Israel and that treatment of them that thought led to action and that action was so bad that they were constantly coming after them that's how far sinful anger and wrath will take you anybody know anything about that I mean maybe none of us have murdered anybody but have we murdered people in our heart has our anger gotten so sinful you know what Ephesians four thirty two says you do to combat that you give them kindness tenderheartedness, try to understand where that person's coming from and you forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. But here's what I've discovered. A lot of times, all we want to do is recall what they've done bad to us, right? We want to do what Edom does. And instead of, when people have done you wrong, the right response is verse 32. I'm going to be kind back to them, tenderhearted. I'm going to forgive them as Christ has forgiven me. Now what happens is we think, well, I don't emotionally want to do that. And I would say, doesn't care what your emotions think, friend. I don't care. Thus says the Lord. You want to put off sinful anger? Put off Ephesians 4.31. Put on Ephesians 4.32. Put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Put on kindness, tenderheartedness. 
forgiveness as Christ has forgiven you. And there's change. But here's the deal. People think like, man, the Lord's okay with just a little bit of anger. Is he? Because he judges Edom for it. I mean, Edom had all this overflowing sin. Remember? Three transgressions, four, I will not take back the punishment. But yet Edom, just for sinful anger, the Lord's going to judge them. By the way, if you ever wonder, like, am I a person who needs a savior? Yeah, we do. Amen. The only, the, my own bitterness and anger in my own heart. If I wasn't a believer today, let's say I wasn't a believer, and you were trying to convince me I was a sinner, all you'd have to do would point out the angriness of my heart, and I could, and I could just know, like, man, I'm not righteous at all. Keep looking at verse 13. Next up, it's the Ammonites. You know what's interesting is the Lord's going through this. He's like, he starts with the capital, then he goes to these city-states. Now he's starting to name whole countries. It's interesting when he gets to verse 13, he doesn't say the country of Ammon. He says the Ammonites. He gets to the people group in this one. That's interesting. Now, just so you know, the Ammonites are actually descendants of, of Lot. Remember, Lot had two children, incestuous children, Moab and Ammon. And this is the Ammonites descend from Ammon. From, uh, from, from the, the, the incest of Lot, um, from, from Lot's children sleeping with his, where his daughters had gotten him drunk right after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Nonetheless, he says this, for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. So plenty of wrath to go around, but God judges them for one thing. They have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead and that they might enlarge their border. So their sin, you see Moab, um, Ammon over here, right here to the right. Y'all see that where it says the kingdom of Ammon, the Ammonites. One of the things they would do is they would go into Gilead, right? Gilead's right to the rest of them. So it's easy to do this kind of guerrilla warfare. And part of their tactics of, of, of putting pressure on Israel and trying to get more land from Israel is you don't go for the strong people. You go for the weak people. So when they were wanting to conquer an area and kind of bring an intimidation factor, what they would do is they would go in that area and they'd get the pregnant women and they'd rip the babies out of the pregnant women. They'd kill the most vulnerable, the most helpless, the ones that couldn't do anything for themselves. The pregnant women and the babies. Now, not to make this a whole message about that, but, but, but yeah, that's us, isn't it? 60 million babies. You know what's interesting? Even if, you're a person who says, I think it's a person's right, which it's not. But if you think, even if you think it's right, and you spread that kind of thought, you start to become guilty of the Ammonites. Because the Ammonites weren't just killing the children, they were killing the women too. And in fact, you know, here's the hard thing. We're just dealing with like this whole issue of abortion. I am fully convinced that most of these abortions wouldn't happen if the men would just be a man, would be a man. I mean, honestly, I mean, like that woman didn't get pregnant on her own, right? I mean, if she was, if she was going to some, to some, to some sperm bank and spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, she wouldn't be having an abortion. So these abortions that happen are a result of, of like a man was involved in that. And it's a man not stepping up to his responsibility. You know what the, you know what a man is? A man is someone who takes responsibility, that's what a manhood is. That's what a man is. A man's not someone that can shoot a buck, skin a buck, can go fishing or anything of that nature, or drive a NASCAR, which that's not even a real sport. Uh, that's not a real sport. Responsibility, that's what a man is. I, I, don't, I don't care what our legislation does. I'm not convinced that a woman 
Because a woman, when her body changes, she knows her body's changing. She knows there's a life inside of her. If he would step up, it wouldn't be like that. But yet, God's going to judge him. They've basically been doing what our country has put a rubber stamp on and said was okay. They've been killing, they've been, they've been killing women, been hurting these innocent little babies that can't defend themselves. So God says in verse 13, so I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah. That's their capital. It shall devour her strongholds with shoutings on the day of battle, with a tempest in the day of a whirlwind. Their king shall go into exile. He and his princes together, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge your princes. I cannot believe that you would go and take advantage of innocent people. Now, I know people all the time. I, this past week, I was reading something where it said, why don't Christians get over? Why don't you just get over this whole abortion thing? Like, I mean, like, how can you get over it? Like, senseless murder. Like, how can you? Like, these are people in the image of God, and they deserve that dignity. So they get judged for this, man. And the Lord, and just so you know, the Lord notices this. The Lord notices this, and he's not okay with it. All the judgments that the Ammonites had, all the things that they were doing wrong, the Lord says, this one's enough. Now look, we'll end with Moab. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Now here's what's interesting about this last one, Moab. All right, All thus far, these judgments that God is pouring on these nations around Israel. These, who had these nations really harmed? Israel, wasn't it? It was Israel. It was Israel. It was Israel. But notice this last one with Moab. Notice it. For three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke punishment. Now remember, here's Moab, right? Here's Moab and there's, Am, and there's Ammon, right? Watch what Moab does. Which, I mean... You know, they they descend from each other. I mean, you know, so they're kindred too. I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour. I'm sorry. Uh, go back to go back to. I'm sorry. Verse one, chapter two, verse one. Because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour the strongholds of Karoth. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. So get this. So Moab right here was going down into Edom, going into the royal graves, popping open those royal graves and just burning what was left of bodies of anybody. Okay, of the royal palace, just burning them just as a sign of disrespect to the image of God in life. I mean, the people were already dead, just going in and just doing wrong because they wanted to just show you like this is how wrong we can go. So they were opening up the graves. And what it showed was it showed that that Moab had a complete disrespect for the image of God in people. And so God says, that's enough to judge you. Now, let me get this. These people were already dead and they come in and they burn the bones of the people already dead so much that they're now lying. And God says, I'm going to judge you for that. I mean, like that revealed in their heart what they really thought about who God was and what God's image was like. I'll give you just a bottom level application. If you look at my social media accounts now, I used to be a lot on social media, not as much anymore, just because honestly, I'm just too busy and and it feels like a lot of white noise. And then third, everybody's angry. Like everybody's angry about something. And people are so nasty on, on, on social media. Have you ever noticed that? Like people are so bold behind a keyboard in their mama's basement. Like it's crazy how that works. And you know, people think like, well, that's small. That's nothing. Oh, really? 
Because what they basically do is throw all this slander against people made in God's image and say the worst of things. Here's the context. These people are already dead. They're desecrating the image of God in people, just being disrespectful, burning their bones. And the Lord says, I'm going to judge you for it. You don't think God's going to judge people who, who go around making fun of people made in God's image? You don't think God's going to hold us accountable for doing those kind of things? So God says, I'm going to judge you. So he says, in the midst of an uproar, the trumpet. I mean, in this one, the princes and rulers, they don't even get to go into captivity. They get, they get straight out killed. Thus says the Lord. Okay. Those are the six judgments that come in this country. Now, these countries. Now, you might be saying like, Nick, what do we have to get from this? Because this seems so dark. If you're a first time guest to our church, welcome. Thanks for coming today. So where do we go from this? Well, I want to point out a couple things. And I've already said it, but I want you to know it. We see today that God's judgment progresses from the city to the country. And what happens in the cities makes its way to the country. And God holds it all accountable. We see that God does care, though. God cares about justice. God cares about what happens to us. God cares about the defenseless. God cares about those that can't defend themselves. We see that nobody gets away with sin, even if it's small, even if it's Moab, and they're just going out and burning some bones of people that were already dead in a grave. We see that when the Lord says something's going to happen, it did always believe the word of God. And here's the last thing we see. Because everything in our scriptures is about making its way back to the gospel. And I would say this, all the judgment I see in this that these nations had come against them, I glory after I read this text. Because basically when I look at all their sins, I see traces of that all over our lives. Are you with me? I see traces of that all over us. But yet, then I'm reminded that there's someone who took that wrath in my place. Why do I need Jesus? Because the wrath of God is rightly going to be poured, is going to be poured out in my life like it was all these pagans. But when you get Jesus, instead there's this glorious exchange that happens. Is that God's wrath is satisfied by the work of his son. And Jesus' righteousness is offered up in the place of your unrighteousness. And now you can be declared righteous before God. So as much as I read this text and see their sin, it makes me see my own sin. And when I see my own sin, you know what I see? A savior. This is good news for us today. This is good news for me. Because I see a savior. If you're kind of like, man, what's going to happen to me? Because some of these sins are in my life. You need a savior. I need a savior. I need a savior when I was 16 and I trusted Jesus as my Lord and savior. And I need a savior today still to save me. I need a savior. This is the good news of this text. That God judges sin because he's holy and righteous. But God judged sin on himself. On his very son in our place. So that God could be for us and not against us. So that we can enjoy the glories of heaven forever. So that we can have the Holy Spirit living within our life. That same Holy Spirit that helps us to say yes to God and no to sin. That that same Holy Spirit that when we see in the word. Thus says the Lord. We say yes I will do it. Are you with me? Do y'all get that? Do y'all get that? Okay can we praise him for a little bit. Would you stand to your feet. Lord, thank you for this book and what it shows us about our sin and your holiness. Thank you for the work of Christ. If there's someone here who has never come to admit their sin before you and their need for you, 
if now they see the glory of the gospel, they see that Jesus is their sin substitute. Everything they've heard about Jesus, they now realize it was for them. May today be their day. May they call out to you right now. May they pray to you right now. May they, may they get, may they tell someone even this morning so that we can rejoice with them and help disciple them on the path to glory. Would you help us in this? We'll praise you. Let us sing to you. Let us praise you back for this wondrous time in your word. Thank you, Savior. Amen. God's people, let's sing together before we close out today.